just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Thursday. It's been kind of a busy week. We're going to start things off with an email on this show. This one comes from Roy. He's emailed a number of times. He's been on the show a couple of times. His wife has been on the show, for God's sake. The email goes like this. Hi, Mike. Every day in politics is getting worse as we go along. Question. If it only takes one person to do a no-confidence vote, re-Kevin McCarthy, why doesn't one Democrat start the process and maybe get a few, and I mean a few Republicans, to go along with this to get him out and then have another 15-plus votes to elect another clown? Your thoughts, Roy. Yeah, I've considered that. I've thought about that. I'll be honest with you. I don't know who they could vote in as the next Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy was the hottest prospect, and it took 15 tries to get him in. Everybody else, anybody else, might be a little tougher than that, so that could really put them in a mess. Here's the thing about Democrats, though. I don't know that the Democrats want Kevin McCarthy out of the uh, Speaker's job. He is so weak. He's so ridiculous. He's an embarrassment. I think the Democrats are content in just sitting back and watching the shit show, watching the Republicans implode and destroy themselves. I mean, that's the impression I get. They certainly could call for a vote of no confidence. And Kevin McCarthy is doing everything he can to not have the MAGA fucks come after him. I think when they voted Kevin McCarthy in, the plan was MAGA is going to take him out eventually. He's going to fuck up at some point. So now he's going overboard to try to appease the MAGA fucks by, like, giving all the surveillance videos strictly to Tucker Carlson and now to the defendants in the January 6th insurrection. It's a little crazy. It could cause some problems with uh, our security which has to be making Democrats think a little bit. It's one thing to have Kevin McCarthy continue to do what he does and be weak and just kind of sit back and laugh at him. But if he starts doing damage to this country, then something has to be done. So the possibility of a no-confidence vote coming at some point down the road It's very likely. I think the MAGA folks have planned that from the beginning. It was just a matter of time. They're trying to get themselves straight. Unfortunately, the Republican Party in the House of Representatives is fucking chaotic. They're accomplishing nothing. They're embarrassing themselves. And all the while, Kevin McCarthy is running the show. So I don't know if a Democrat would do that. I don't know that it's in the best interest of the Democratic Party. I mean, you don't want somebody in there with a little more intelligence and a little more integrity and credibility to take Kevin McCarthy's place. Then he might actually get something done. Now, that's a <laughs> that's not a hard ask to try to find somebody with more integrity, more credibility, and a little brighter than Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is a lapdog. Let's be perfectly honest. Kevin McCarthy isn't even pulling the strings here. That goes to Marjorie Taylor Greene. You remember how she buddied up with Kevin McCarthy. She sided with Kevin McCarthy, fought with him through the whole 15 rounds of votes. She figured if she could get up next to Kevin McCarthy, she would have more power. For whatever reason, she was reelected in 2022. And now you've got this woman who is the second dumbest woman in the House of Representatives. No, I should say the second dumbest human in the House of Representatives. I think the dumbest has to go to Lauren Boebert without question. But Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't far behind. Every day she says something that is absolutely ignorant. And she isn't ashamed by it. She just doubles down and comes up with some other crazy bullshit. 
So right now, Marjorie Taylor Greene is pretty much controlling what's going on in the House of Representatives, as crazy and as sad as that might be. But I do think the Democrats look at that with Kevin McCarthy and Marjorie Taylor Greene and see that this can only go one way. It can only go badly, and it's going to crash the Republicans. And maybe the Democrats are content with just sitting back and watching the show because they're all looking ahead to 2024 now. They want the Democratic candidate to win the presidency, whoever that might be. And as long as the Republicans accomplish nothing and continue to embarrass themselves, it's going to make it virtually impossible for a Republican to win the presidency in 2024. So why don't they do it? I don't know for sure. I don't have an inside track. I'm not talking to Eric Swalwell or any of those people. But I've heard talk that... uh, They might want to just sit back and let them fucking wallow in the stupidity and embarrass themselves day after day. That's probably why the Democrats aren't doing anything with regards to getting Kevin McCarthy out there. Like I said, we certainly don't want Kevin McCarthy replaced with somebody even a slight bit more competent. A slight bit more competency might actually get some things done, and they don't want that. There's no way Kevin McCarthy is getting anything done. And frankly, there is no way you're going to get the House of Representatives, the Republican side, to agree on one candidate other than Kevin McCarthy. It was tough enough with Kevin McCarthy, but pick anyone in that group, and it's going to be impossible to get 218 votes when you only have 222 seats. Four people, five people vote against any one person, they can't win. So you're right, if there was another election for somebody else, it would probably go on for fucking ever. And actually, that might be good, too. They'd be so busy trying to reelect another Speaker of the House that they would be able to do even less. But they wouldn't be able to fuck up. They'd just be focused on that. So I think the Democrats right now, whether it's a good idea or not, are just content with seeing what happens and allowing them to flounder as they are. All right, today was a big day for Merrick Garland, and I think a lot of people were expecting a lot more than what they got. Merrick Garland had a hearing. He sat in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee to answer questions by senators about what the DOJ is doing. Now, there's a lot of things that the DOJ is involved in. The real question is, what are they doing? Most of us don't know. I mean, the Democrats could come at them about the January 6th committee and tear into them about that. Or the Republicans did kind of go after him a little bit regarding the uh, regarding the Uh, raid on Donald Trump's home because they think that was absolutely horrible. And there's another deeper story to that that is kind of disconcerting. We'll talk about that in a bit. But it really wasn't anything like that. I mean, there were some heated moments, but uh, Merrick Garland wasn't really taken to task as much as you might thought he would have been. And that is a shame. I don't care if the Republicans or the Democrats take him to task, but somebody needs to. Somebody needs to kick him in the ass and make him understand that this country is watching him. And as long as he continues to do nothing, he's going to be in a bad position with the general public in this country and the Democrats and the Republicans, for that matter. I don't know. I I don't know exactly what's going to happen uh, with Kevin McCarthy and uh, Merrick Garland. These two guys are contradictions. Kevin McCarthy is stupid and trying to do a bunch of crazy shit. Merrick Garland, very intelligent, has a lot of credibility, But he's seemingly not doing anything. Now, that, of course, isn't fair. He's doing a lot of things. Jack Smith is doing a lot of things. The only thing is that we don't know what it is. We're all sitting here with bated breath, wondering when the fuck is something going to happen, and we keep waiting. 
we still don't know. And Merrick Garland didn't give us any real hints in this particular hearing. Now, of course, this is the Senate Judiciary Committee that he's sitting in front of. And, of course, one of the senators, one of the greats, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas and Attorney General Merrick Garland got into a little heated back and forth that evolved into a screaming match over Supreme Court justices facing threats in the wake of the leak of Roe v. Wade's reversal. Now, this is interesting. This is the big story that Ted Cruz wants to talk to Merrick Garland about. You'll remember after Roe v. Wade and the overturning of Roe v. Wade was exposed, there were a lot of protests in front of Supreme Court justices' homes. Now, of course, the Republicans wanted those people arrested, but there is nothing illegal with a, uh, with a normal protest. You can protest. That's in the fucking Constitution of all places. As long as it's nonviolent, it's not a problem. But they had a lot of problems with it, and they took Merrick Garland to task, Ted Cruz did anyway, in this particular hearing. It's funny because with regards to the January 6th insurrection, that was just tourist. It's absolutely fine. There was plenty of violence, people who died. But they're cool with that, but they're very angry about people protesting in front of the Supreme Court's justices' homes. And I got to tell you, if they don't pass this uh, student loan relief bill, there's going to be some more protests. Now, Cruz accused Garland of sitting on his hands while protesters descended on the homes of Supreme Court justices who voted to reverse Roe v. Wade. Now, during the fallout from the Roe v. Wade opinion leak, the group Ruth sent us doxed some of the justices. So, they basically gave out their addresses, which means protesters were able to show up. They were publishing their actual addresses and encouraging people to protest outside their homes. Google later took down the published map for violating their rules. But a lot of people showed up, and it didn't make those Supreme Court justices happy. You know, here's the deal. If you don't have a code of ethics in the Supreme Court, if you don't have any rules you have to follow, you should have to face the people of this country, the people you're supposed to be working for. You're overturning Roe v. Wade, and 70% of the country supports it. You deserve to have a protest in front of your home. Cruz mentioned the arrest of an armed protester outside the home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh in the wake of the leak of the Dobbs decision when Riders descended on the homes of six Supreme Court justices night after night after night. You did nothing. The department did nothing, Cruz told Garland on Wednesday. Now, it was evident almost right away that a conversation between the two was not in the cards as Cruz grew frustrated with Garland repeatedly refusing to directly answer the questions of how many people he prosecuted for threatening government officials, i.e. Supreme Court justices. Oh, Merrick wasn't forthcoming. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a standard strategy with Republicans, isn't it? I plead the fifth. I don't remember. But it's different when it's a Democrat regarding Republicans. There was no violence in front of these Supreme Court justices' homes. There wasn't any. And again, the irony here is they were really butthurt about that, but they thought the insurrection was j just fine, just tourists. Now, Garland repeatedly defended his actions, but dodged giving a direct yes or no for a time, choosing to instead tout that he sent more than 70 U.S. Marshals with the mission of providing more protection to the justices. Senator, you asked me whether I sat on my hands, and quite the opposite. I sent 70 United States Marshals, Garland said. 
to uh, before Cruz then jumped in. Let me try again. Has the department brought even a single case under the statute? It's a yes or no question. It's not a give a speech on the other things you did, Cruz said. The job of the United States Marshals is to defend the lives of... So the answer is no, Cruz said. It's to defend the lives of justices, and that's our number one priority. They have full... Garland said before Cruz pushed him into giving a simple answer again. Why are you unwilling to say no? The answer is no. You know it's no. I know it's no. Boy, that Cruz is clever. Everyone in this hearing room knows it's no. You're not willing to answer a question. Have you brought a case under the statute? Yes or no, No, Cruz said. At least he showed up. Jordan and all you Republican fucks won't even come to a hearing. Things got kind of heated when the two could not agree on who ultimately would be responsible for punishing any protesters threatening justices. Cruz argued because the Department of Justice makes the determination on whether to prosecute, they they are responsible for lack of action, while Garland argued the marshals make that ultimate decision on an arrest before a determination about prosecution could be made. And he's absolutely right. The DOJ isn't out there arresting people. They send the marshals, and the marshals make that decision. If they arrest somebody, they get prosecuted. If they don't arrest somebody, they don't get prosecuted. And let's again remind fucks that protesting is not illegal. In fact, it's a right in our Constitution. Now, Ultimately, Cruz wanted Garland to say that the Department of Justice was not interested in prosecuting or arresting anyone, something Garland, of course, wouldn't say. He's too smart for that. The back and forth only got more heated with Cruz at one point telling Garland to not even bother trying to answer a question after having avoided it so many times. Cruz said, I recognize you want to give a separate speech. How do you decide which statutes you enforce and which ones you don't? The marshals on the scene make that determination in light of the priority. And Cruz said, the marshals do not make a determination on whether to prosecute, Cruz said, jumping in again. You, the attorney general, make a determination and you spend 20 years as a judge. And you perfectly content with justices being afraid for their children's lives, and you did nothing to prosecute it. Garland, kind of frustrated, said, can I answer the question? No, you cannot. You have refused to answer the question, Cruz said. Cruz chalked up the lack of prosecutions to a political bias with Garland, while the attorney general continued to argue arrest would have been conducted by the assigned U.S. Marshals. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Yes, Garland would have to choose to prosecute people, but first they have to be arrested, and the DOJ doesn't arrest people. The U.S. Marshals do. Now, if the U.S. Marshals did arrest somebody, they would be prosecuted. The DOJ would do that. But it just amazes me, the frustration. Oh, those poor Supreme Court justices were scared, and so were their children. Well, don't go against the Constitution. Don't make fucked up decisions. Don't go against the majority of this country. Do your job the way you're supposed to do your fucking job, and then maybe you won't get any kickback. I mean, they don't seem to be worried about the women or children that get pregnant and can't get abortions. They seem to be fine with that. I've always said this about the Republicans. They always pull this shit, you know? And they don't have enough forethought to understand that, you know, the Democrats could do the very same thing to you. Now, there is really no comparison between overturning Roe v. Wade and this protection of the Supreme Court justices. Nobody was hurt. But you know who was hurt? Who was damaged? Remember those two ladies down in Georgia that were simply trying to donate their time to run an election? They called them out. They doxed them. Donald Trump did it himself. And these people have been in fear for their lives ever since. Funny, Ted Cruz isn't worried about them. 
He's only worried about those Supreme Court justices. Well, I'll tell you what, based on what we know about the Supreme Court at this point, about them not having a code of ethics, that it was all on a uh, uh, honorary system, an honesty system, Oh, yeah, we'll be good. We're judges. We're above it all. We won't do anything corrupt or criminal or partisan. But that's exactly what they do. They have no accountability. In this country, whether they be politicians or judges, if you're serving the general public and you're going against the better interest of this public, And the only accountability is that you have to face up to protest and people that are angry about you misusing your power. Well, I'm okay with that. They've got to be accountable somehow. And clearly, there is no rules or regulations for them, so fuck them. I don't care. They love making this comparison, though that we've got to protect the Supreme Court justices. Fuck you. Do their job. Nobody attacked them. Nobody did anything to them. People got killed on the insurrection. People, 140 cops were injured. But they want to discount that, discredit it. So I'm sorry, whatever you're saying here in this meeting, Ted Cruz, it's all bullshit. It's just all bullshit, and nobody's listening to you. And how does it feel? We had to deal with this for four years, two impeachments. Nobody would talk, and nobody would make anybody accountable. So now it's being thrown back in your face, and it's not even a good comparison because there is no complaint on your side. You're taking something, as you typically do, expand and exaggerate it, and try to make it a thing. And the problem is, is if that's all you got, well, Teddy, you got shit. Maybe you should deal with your own family. Sounds like your daughter has some issues, and she probably has these issues because you're a fucked up parent. Why don't you deal with that instead of worrying about the Supreme Court justices? Now, here's a story that I find really disconcerting, and it's regarding the search of Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's home. Now, there were months of disputes, disputes between Justice Department prosecutors and FBI agents over how best to try to recover classified documents from Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago club and residence to led to a tense showdown near the end of July last year, according to four people familiar with the discussions. Now, what I mean by a showdown, the Justice Department wanted to conduct the search. The FBI says, you know, I don't think we need to do that. I don't like doing that. Let me be honest. We can talk about the DOJ, and the DOJ has its share of problems. But the FBI, that is a fucked up mess. And that is something that needs to be addressed. We have a director that was appointed by Donald Trump, who is still the director. We still have people within the FBI that are sympathetic to Donald Trump. And because they are sympathetic to Donald Trump, when it comes to serving a uh, uh, search on his home, the FBI is going, yeah, I I don't know if I like that idea. Well, funny, they do the search and they find all these documents still in there. So the FBI was wrong. Did they do it because they were just being cautious? Or did they do this because they're sympathetic to Donald Trump? Donald Trump is being investigated for attempting to overthrow this government. If there are people still sympathetic to Donald Trump under these circumstances, they need to kick those motherfuckers out. I don't care who they are, how long they've been there, get them gone. Insurrectionists, people that want to mount a coup, are like a cancer. You leave one in there, and it will grow, and that cancer will get bigger. We need to extricate everybody 
connected to anything having to do with the insurrection, having to do with Donald Trump. And I hope against hope that once there is an indictment against Donald Trump, anybody that stands up for Donald Trump should be fired. Why they haven't been as yet, I do not fucking know. Now, prosecutors argue that new evidence suggested Trump was knowingly concealing secret documents at his Palm Beach home. And they urged the FBI to conduct a surprise raid at the property. But two senior FBI officials who would be in charge of leading the search, they resisted it. Hey, look, isn't Merrick Garland your boss? Merrick, you should have called the motherfucker up and said, shut up, just do your fucking job. They resisted the plan as too combative and proposed instead to seek Trump's permission to search his property, according to the four people who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Well, here's the deal. This isn't too hard to figure out. They asked him. They asked him. They sent him a subpoena. He ignored the subpoena. What more do you fucking have to do? I mean, Donald Trump did say, you know, they just had to ask us nicely and we would let them in. But that's not the case. He's lying again because they did ask him multiple times. He ignored them. They sent a subpoena. He ignored the subpoena. After all that, you don't have to be an FBI agent to understand what the next step is. This isn't rocket science. I'm just a guy sitting in my living room doing a podcast, and I fucking know better than that. This wasn't about, oh, we got to make sure it's everything's right. These were people that were sympathetic to Donald Trump, and they were trying to cut him some slack. And we do not need somebody like that in uh, upper-level law enforcement uh, department, meaning the FBI. Fortunately, prosecutors ultimately prevailed in the dispute, one of the several previously unreported classes in a tense tug-of-war between the two arms of the Justice Department. The FBI conducted an unprecedented raid on August 8th, recovering more than 100 classified items, among them a document describing a foreign government's military defenses, including its nuclear capabilities. So, FBI, those folks, those two that were against this, you were fucking wrong. And I think they both are gone from the FBI now, and they should have been sent packing. The thing about it is is that when they did do the search, if you remember, you remember how they did it? There were no FBI windbreakers. They were all wearing street clothes as to not make too much noise about it. Don't be so open about it. They were still scared. So they wore street clothes and they went in there and in spite of what they thought, they found all kinds of shit. They pulled another 20 boxes out of there for Christ's sake. But they still kind of capitulated a little bit by not wearing the FBI jackets. Now, here's the dumb part. Because they weren't wearing FBI jackets, because they were in their street clothes and they went in and did the search, nobody, nobody would have known about it. If not for Donald Trump going on social media, spewing it to the country. So don't blame the FBI. Don't blame the DOJ for this being a big thing. Donald Trump made it a big fucking thing. Now, starting in May, FBI agents in the Washington field office had sought to slow the probe down, urging caution given its extraordinary sensitivity. Oh, my God, we're going to search the home of a former president. What about the sensitivity of having top secret and classified documents out in the open where anybody could see them? I seem to think that the sensitivity of that is far exceeds that of embarrassing fucking a criminal like Donald Trump. Some of those field agents wanted to shutter the criminal investigation altogether in early June. They didn't even want to go after him criminally, even though they knew he committed a crime. After Trump's legal team asserted a diligent search had been conducted and all classified records had been turned over, according to some people, 
with knowledge of the discussions. Now, the idea of closing the probe was not something that was discussed or considered by FBI leadership and would not have been approved, a senior law enforcement official says. They wanted to cut Donnie Trump some slack. I mean, this is what people have been doing for Donald Trump all of his life, all of his 76 years. He was no longer president, and they still wanted to cut him slack. This account reveals for the first time the degree of tension among the law enforcement officials and behind-the-scenes deliberations as they wrestled with national security case that is potentially far-reaching political consequences. Yeah, I would say. I mean, Jesus Christ. We've got classified and top-secret documents laying all over the fucking place. And we know Donald Trump has Russian agents and maybe some Saudi agents coming in through there. He's buddies with Russian spies. Who knows who's seen what? And, you know, in this last bit that was handed over, we had the laptop. And what these fuckers were doing was taking classified documents, transferring them onto a computer, and then onto a thumb drive. Well, why would you do that other than if you were planning to distribute it? And if you are planning to distribute classified or top-secret documents, afraid to tell you this, but that's highly illegal. And the question is, who are you giving this shit to? Hopefully this is what they will find out as they do this investigation. But this is one of the problems I have with our Department of Justice, the FBI, and anybody fucking else. If you have money, if you have fame, if you have power, you get cut slack. And isn't Merrick Garland the very person that said no one is above the law? Well, in this case, the FBI wanted to make Donald Trump above the law, in spite of the fact that he was breaking some of the most serious laws in this country. I'm tired of people mumbly fucking around. I'm tired of people going, oh, we got to be careful. We got to be real careful. Things could go bad. Well, I'm going to tell you this. If we continue to have classified documents strewn all over the fucking country, If we continue to have people getting away with insurrection, planning and strategizing and fundraising for an insurrection, guess what? We're going to have more classified documents stolen. We're going to have yet another insurrection. And now, thanks to Kevin McCarthy handing out all the video to Fox News, now all the potential insurrectionists will have a better blueprint as to do a better job next time they attack the U.S. Capitol. Oh, yeah, it's sensitive to search or even indict a former president. But I got to think, this other shit is far more sensitive, far more problematic. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm sure you remember this kerfuffle about Republicans trying to get rid of Medicare and Social Security. Then there was a big backlash, and then all of a sudden the Republicans said, oh, no, we're not trying to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. Never crossed our minds. Well, the fact of the matter is they've been talking about this for decades. This has been something that's been stuck in their craw for a long time. They want to call them entitlements, and they are not entitlements. If they're entitlements, why am I and all of you paying for it? If I'm paying you money, whether you be the car lot down the road or the fucking U.S. government, if I'm paying you something, I better get something in fucking return. But they want to call it entitlement. So we went through this whole thing with Social Security. Joe Biden's at the State of the Union. He negotiates this fucking thing right in the State of the Union, embarrasses the Republicans into agreeing that, no, we don't want to get rid of Social Security. 
So you would think that would be the end of it, right? That it wouldn't be an issue. Everybody, Democrats and Republicans alike, would have seen that this is a no-win situation for them. We don't want to wade back into that because it's going to cause problems with the people and their opinions of the people that want to get rid of their main source of income for a lot of elderly folks. You'd think they'd just let it go and not talk about it. But get this. A bipartisan, and I want to emphasize bipartisan, group of senators has been talking about ways to reform Social Security in order to avert a funding shortfall expected sometime around a decade from now. And one item under discussion is raising the eligibility age for Social Security benefits for future retirees, a politically fraught move that is more likely to enrage voters than it is to become law. It won't become law. But let's look at it right now. If you want to get Social Security, you're in my age range, 62. The age that you retire is 67, the official age when you get your full amount of your Social Security, 67. So now they want to kick it up to save money, to limit entitlements to the people who paid all their lives into it. Along with potentially increasing the eligibility age for future retirees, the group has looked at creating an investment fund that would improve Social Security's long-term finances. It's not locked in concrete yet, but it's a reasonable proposition in that it does not call for changing benefits over the next 75 years. Senator Mitt Romney, one of the senators, not surprising, told Huffington Post on Wednesday, as a matter of fact, it improves benefits, particularly for people at the low end of the income scale, which is something that would be helpful. Isn't that always the way the Republicans do it? Oh, it seems bad for you, but it's really good. You know, like that tax break we all got, $2 trillion to the rich, in perpetuity, crumbs to us, but it ends. And then the taxes go up. Anybody who believes a Republican that says, oh, this is really good for you, is dumb as fuck. The negotiations by no means signal imminent changes to popular retirement programs. They reflect an ongoing political debate driven mostly by Republicans over long-term federal spending It's unlikely that Congress would approve any changes to Social Security or Medicare this year. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has said the House won't touch the programs. So what's the incentive for this bipartisan group? Now, when they say bipartisan, they're not saying how many Democrats are in this group of people that want to look at changing the the age of retirement. But I'm guessing Joe Manchin, Christian Cinema. I don't know who else it would be. But I got to tell you, this is dumb as fuck. You've already figured out that the people of this country will not stand for that shit. So you walk right back into it, even though it has no chance of being fucking passed. You want to attach your name to that? Are you that fucking stupid? Nevertheless, the senators are talking to each other about changes to the way Social Security benefits are calculated, plus increasing the amount of payroll income that is subject to taxes that fund benefits. As of this year, only a worker's first $160,200 in earnings are subject to the 12.4% tax shared by workers and employees. We pay 12.4% of our incomes to Social Security, yet somehow that's a fucking entitlement. Now, the broad outlines for the group discussions were first reported by Semaphore on Tuesday. Half-dozen senators were involved in the talks led by Maine Independent Angus King, who caucuses with Democrats and Senator Bill Cassidy, a Republican from Louisiana. 
Now, raising the retirement age is probably the most controversial idea under consideration and one that may be essentially for Republicans. I think that's the part of the attractiveness in getting both sides to come together, which is in order to make sure that we save these programs forever. You have to recognize that the life expectancy is a lot more today than it was when Social Security was established, Mitt Romney said. So modestly increasing the age what you know 20 years from now is probably something that makes sense. When Congress was first created the Social Security Retirement Insurance in 1930s, lawmakers set the eligibility age at 65. In a bipartisan reform Congress approved in 1983, the full retirement age gradually increased to 67 over a 22-year period that started in 2000. So for workers born in 1960, that's me, or later, the full retirement age is 67. Democrat Tim Kaine, one of the Democrats involved in the discussions, brushed off questions about a higher retirement age. Now, I tell you this story not to scare you. Nothing Fucking nothing is going to come out of that. There's no way that's going to pass through the House, the Senate, and certainly no way Joe Biden would sign anything. It just strikes me as strange with as much backlash as there was about Social Security and them saying, oh, we're not going to touch Social Security. We're not going to touch Social Security. A group, a bipartisan group of all people get together and start talking about maybe we should raise the age. There's nothing here that says it's going to happen. It's not going to happen anytime soon. But this is exactly how politicians treat us. They tell us one thing and then they do another. And they expect us to believe it. And they expect us to not yell and scream about it. It's kind of like Supreme Court justices overturning Roe v. Wade when 70% of the country support it. This is exactly what we need from this country. We need people like you and me standing up and saying, fuck that, we're not standing for that. Rub their noses in it. Make them pay a price when it comes to elections. Because if these fucks aren't smart enough to know, stay away from Social Security, they got no business being in office. Donald Trump's running into some problems. He's got a long history of stiffing local police departments who have helped provide security for his rallies. And uh, they're saying in the Daily Beast that it might finally be coming back to haunt him. The publication writes, Trump and his campaign owe significant sums of money to municipalities all across America, which might make those locales less likely to offer security services in the future, which could mean that Trump will have to hold rallies in smaller venues or in fucking cow pastures. He's got police departments all over this country. Houston comes to mind. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and he never paid them. But this is classic Donald Trump. He doesn't pay his bills. He isn't opposed to filing bankruptcy and crushing smaller companies that deign to work with him. But now if he's going to try to do rallies, first of all, the tough part is getting people to come out to partake in his rallies it's not going so well this is one of the reasons i don't see him running in 2024 he's not going to be able to build up enough of a grassroots groundswell to get enough interest in getting to him to be the president oh yeah sure there's some dumb fucks the base they're always going to do it but they've only got so much money and they've been pretty much drained by donald trump at this point By the end of his presidential term in 2021, Trump still owed more than $2 million in overtime reimbursement and other expenses, according to an insider in CTV News analysis. Uh, 
The ex-president's most recent venues have mostly been at fairgrounds and airports far from city centers. Now, former Trump official Alyssa Farah Griffin tells the Daily Beast that even if he had paid local police and had access to high-end venues, he may not be able to fill those kinds of arenas, as I said. So here, here's my problem with this. He owes $2 million. And how many times did he grift uh, the Trump LaFox since that time, since 2020 to now? He's had an extra $2 million. I mean, Christ, at one point he had a war chest of like $130 million. You telling me you couldn't peel off two of those and pay your bills with the police departments? The police departments that you love so much? Donald Trump could have paid them. He chose not to. And that's the kind of fuck he is. The reality is that if Donald Trump wanted to throw a huge rally, he may not get 20,000 people to show up, she said, Farrah. Uh, Alyssa Farrah Griffin. Closer to primary season, that's very possible. But he's the weakest he's ever been. So he's not going to fill out arenas. People aren't going to come out. The last couple of times he has given, (laughs) well, they were initially called rallies, but when nobody showed up, he said, well, this is just a little intimate thing. Yeah, Donnie, the dumbest of the dumb are still coming out, and there's not enough for you to scream about your ratings and how popular you are. Fucking unbelievable. He's got the money. He doesn't pay the police departments. Yes, he tells yet he tells you, "Oh, I support police." Yeah, you fucking do. Yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> well, here's a little bit of good news, especially for folks with diabetes. You remember the story when when uh, um, Elon Musk was handing out blue checks on Twitter like they were fucking candy. You pay them nine bucks, you get a blue check. Well, anyway, when that happened, as I predicted, people were going to abuse it. They are going to use other people's names, maybe famous people's names, and get that blue check for the nine bucks or ten bucks or whatever it is and start spewing goofy shit. You know, they might get Biden, they might get Trump, they might get Jim Jordan, they might get whatever. But some especially enterprising people decided to get Twitter accounts for companies and get that blue check. One of those companies was Eli Lilly, the big pharmaceutical company. (laughs) And this Eli Lilly account with the blue check tweeted out, hey, guess what? From here on out, insulin is going to be absolutely free, which wasn't true because in spite of the blue check, it wasn't Eli Lilly. It was some guy who took Eli Lilly's name. Well, this caused Eli Lilly a whole lot of fucking problems, all kinds of trouble. Cost them a lot of money, maybe billions of dollars. And you know what? I don't feel sorry for them at all. Now, some of the things Biden has done is trying to put a cap on on uh, insulin at $35 a month. Now, what I heard on a report today is that for a company like Eli Lilly to manufacture uh, a dose of insulin was 10 bucks. But they were charging like hundreds of dollars for this. It was making it very difficult for people who desperately needed insulin to even afford it. I have a niece who has type 1 diabetes, and she was really nervous about this. She's not broke. She's got a good job. But even she couldn't afford it, even with health insurance. So... A lot of people were concerned about this. And then when this came out that they were going to give it away free, everybody was freaking out. It was exciting. Then they found out that it wasn't true. Eli Lilly took it in the ass a little bit, and they deserved it. Joe Biden has passed some things that is putting a cap 
on insulin at 35 bucks for certain people, not all people, certain people. Well, the good news here is that Eli Lilly had a moment of conscience, and they said they will cut prices for some older insulins later this year and immediately give more patients access to a cap on the cost they pay to refill their prescriptions. The moves announced Wednesday promised critical relief to some people with diabetes who can face thousands of dollars in annual costs for insulin they need in order to live. Lilly's changes also come as lawmakers and uh, patient advocates pressure drug makers to do something about soaring prices. Now, you know how you always say, what can we do to get anything done? Why is Eli Lilly doing this? Well, they're doing this because it got played up in the news. A lot of people heard about it, and it was not good publicity for Eli Lilly. So that public opinion about insulin kind of forced them into this position. Now, keep in mind, it's costing them $10 to make this insulin, and even if they sell it at 35 bucks the cap, they're basically tripling their money. That's, that's a pretty good profit in my book. Now, Lily said that it will cut the list prices for most of its commonly prescribed insulin, Humalog, and for another insulin, Humalin, by 70% or more in the fourth quarter, which starts in October. List prices are what a drug maker initially sets for a product and what people who have no insurance or plans have with high deductibles are sometimes stuck a Lilly spokeswoman said that the current list price for a 10 milliliter vial of the fast-acting mealtime insulin, Humalog, is $274.70. Keep in mind, as they said, it's about 10 bucks to make it. So there's a pretty good profit margin there. And it's only people's lives, so go ahead, make your money. Apparently... These prices will now fall to 66.40. Still a lot of money and still a lot of fucking profit. Likewise, she said the same amount of Humalin count currently lists at $148.70, that will change to $44.61. Now the CEO of Lilly David Rick said Wednesday that his company was making these changes to address issues that affect the price patients ultimately pay for its insulin. He noted that discount Lilly offers from its list price often don't reach patients through insurers or pharmacy benefit managers. High deductible coverage can lead to big bills at the pharmacy counter, particularly at the start of the year when the deductibles renew. See, that's the other issue here. It's not just the pharmaceutical companies. It's those fucking insurance companies in between. That's where a lot of money for our medical expenses go, in the pockets of those insurance companies. And therein lies the problem. And that's why a single-payer health insurance would be a better route. All these fucks out there stealing money, basically, from the people who are worried about even surviving without insulin. We know the current U.S. health care system has gaps. Yeah, I would fucking say, David Rick said. This makes a tough disease like diabetes even harder to manage. Patient advocates have long called for insulation, uh, insulin prices cut to help uninsured people who would not be affected by price caps tied to insurance coverage. Lilly's plan cuts could actually provide some substantial price relief, said Stacy Dusetzina, a health policy professor at Vanderbilt University who studies drugs cost. So you will give them credit for at least trying to do something. But still, it's too expensive. And still, the profit margins are too high. This isn't like you're selling a car or even even clothing. This is medicine, essential in people's lives to keep them alive. 
Lilly also said Wednesday that it will cut the price of its authorized generic version of Humalog to $25 a vial starting in May. So this is good news. This should take some pressure off those folks that have been very concerned about their very health based on not being able to afford insulin. And as I said before, why does Eli Lilly do this? Why do they give away all this exorbitant profit? It's because of public opinion. It's because people were screaming about it. It was in the news. It was in our government. And Eli Lilly looked at this and says, God, this is not good for our business. We're not the only ones selling insulin. We better do something about this. And that's what I've always said. If you're loud, if you control the narrative, you can make some changes. And with Eli Lilly, it looks like some changes have been made. They're good. They're not as good as they should be, but at least it's a start. All right, let's talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I can't do a show without talking about that Cro-Magnon dumb fuck. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has adopted an interesting new press strategy. Oh, she's a sophisticated lady. CNN fact checker Daniel Dale said Green's spokesperson told him to fuck off <laughs> on Tuesday when he was at, when he asked him to comment on the Georgia Republic's Republicans false claims. She makes a lot of false claims. We know that. Dale said he contacted Green's office about a tweet in which the lawmaker blamed the Biden administration for two young men's deaths by fentanyl poisoning in 2020 when Donald Trump, not Joe Biden, was president. We talked about this before. She's trying to blame Joe Biden for a lot of things that happened under Donald Trump. And in this tweet, that's exactly what she did. So a good newsman would say, what the fuck did you mean by this? You were wrong. You're being fact-checked. Dale tweeted that Green spokesperson Nikki Dyer responded by saying lots of people have died from drugs under Biden. And do you think they give a fuck about your bullshit fact-checking? Well, yeah, you know what? We do. Dale said he also asked Dyer about multiple false claims Green had made about the 2020 election on Tuesday. Now, during a House Election Integrity Roundtable, that's ironically named, isn't it? Integrity? Green berated a Georgia election official, insisting that Trump won Georgia in 2020, among other falsehoods about the vote. See, this is how stupid she is. She should know better. She should know better than to spew this shit, because she knows somebody's going to fact check her. Does she not know that it's not true? Or is she just trying to gaslight people? I don't know which it is, but either way, it's pretty fucked up. Green is routinely combative with the press, adopting Trump's strategy of casting members of the media as liars, fake news, when the report on inconvenient facts. She's been in the headlines in recent weeks after calling repeatedly for a national divorce between red and blue states. Got a big backlash from it from both political left and right people. And then she says, well, I wasn't really calling for a civil war. Really, Margie? You're the one that said if you were in charge of attacking in the Capitol, you would have won and you would have brought guns. So forgive me if I think you are a violent type because the things you say and the things you do and the way you act suggest otherwise. All right. This last story. This is this is a similar story to what I told, I think, yesterday. Remember when we were talking about the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, how he's trying to outlaw drag shows and all of that? He's worried about what the drag queens would do to the kids. And then we find out that in his 1977 high school yearbook, there's big old dumb Bill Lee dressed in a cheerleading costume with a wig and, and pearls around his neck. Ironic, isn't it? Now, you knew he wasn't going to be the only one. Now, trying to outlaw drag shows is turning out to be a real drag for yet another Republican politician. 
Nate Schatzline, a pastor and a Texas state representative, has authored legislation that would restrict drag performances. However, <laughs> a video surfaced this week apparently showing Schatzline as a teacher wearing a mini dress for a school project. <laughs> Boy, those Republicans love to dress in drag, don't they? I wonder what Ted Cruz would look like dressed in drag, or Paul Gozar, or Jim Jordan. I bet you Jim Jordan would look beautiful. The 90-second video shows Schatzline in a black sequin dress. What do they call those, those little black dresses? I bet he looked gorgeous. And a red mask, skipping running, and dancing in a park with three other young men also dressed in drag to the tune of Sexy Lady by Javi Mula. All four characters have nicknames, and Shots Lines is The Virgin. I wonder if he's still a virgin. I'm guessing he probably is. Now, some people checked in with Shots Line to see if it really was him in the video, and his initial response, though negative, suggested it was him. But the person who posted the video pointed out that the words in Shotline's own bill could be interpreted to suggest that his behavior in that video could be criminal if his bill were passed. These dumb fucks can't help but step on their own dicks. Every goddamn time, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Kevin McCarthy, this shots line clown, Governor Bill Lee. You know, if somebody came to me and I was supporting a bill and I knew that someplace in my background there would be something embarrassing, I don't think I'd get on board with that bill. You see, I understand the Internet. And if you want to go look in old yearbooks in high school. It's not hard to find. There's many ways you can do it. I mean, I came across my own yearbook online one time. I couldn't find the one that I bought. I don't know where that is. Don't really fucking care. But I found it online. And you know what I didn't find? I didn't find me dressed as a woman. Now, as I say, it wouldn't have been a bad thing if I was. I, I Going back to the 70s, I can't imagine why I would do that. I just wouldn't have done that. I'm not transgendered. I'm not a drag queen. So why would I do that? I mean, to me, as somebody who's who's heterosexual and not into drag, to dress in drag would be kind of insulting to those people who really do. And since I don't look down my nose at them now, I wouldn't think of it as a bad thing necessarily, even if I did. But uh, if you want to check it yourself, you can check it. Just go find the Roosevelt Senior High School uh, from Minneapolis in 1978. The book's out there. I've fucking seen it. And uh, my pictures aren't real, you know, they aren't real. Uh, (laughs) I'm not dressed in women's clothes, but, uh, you know, I look like a typical 17-year-old fucking doofus, you know? But if you know this is in your background, that's one of the reasons why I would never run for office. I've got some goofy shit in my background, a lot of things that teenage kids in the 70s would have done, got in trouble, did something stupid. I've done all those things. I'm 62 now. I'm a different guy. But I don't need some fucking idiot going onto the Internet, finding something and turning it into something ridiculous. I think I'll just sit here on the podcast, and if somebody wants to embarrass me, they're more than welcome to come on the podcast, and we can talk about it. But I ain't running for office and letting all these fucking clowns come after whatever crazy shit I did back in my younger days. But these dumb fucks don't care. And the real big problem here is that they're so against, they want to marginalize people in the drag industry. LGBTQ people, and then they have this in their background. It sounds so hypocritical, doesn't it? It's absolutely fucking hypocritical, and it's so typical with Republicans. These have got to be the dumbest people in this country. Republicans are insurrectionists. There's no question about that. 
They are white supremacists. They are racist, misogynist, anti-Semites, fully against LGBTQ people. They don't even like fucking books. Yet we go into their background and we find all this shit. We get these people spewing their, their uh, rants about pedophiles and the Democrats. Always turns out they're the motherfuckers that get arrested and put in jail for pedophilia. The fuck is going on? How stupid can you be? All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.